Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Stop your slow clap. <laughs> why, are you, why are you from Texas now? Because uh, I got to choose my stop. How's <laughs> that for high energy? That's false advertising. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. Does every actor that portrays a cop in a movie have to wear a fedora? You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Mike Field is dead inside. I'm actually trying to figure out who Brooklyn Decker's married to. Nice. What? She doesn't so, say it like she that. She does say it like that. She doesn't say it's it like stupid. that. stupid. Cowards. Cowards is what they're called, Mike. They're called cowards. Hello, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it's because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast right now. Good job. What's up, Butler? Nothing. Just talk about Mr. Brooks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) What's Mr. Brooks about? All right. Earl Brooks is a highly respected businessman and was recently named Portland's Man of the Year. He hides a terrible secret, however. He is a serial killer known as the Thumbprint Killer. He has been attending AA meetings and has kept his addiction to killing under control for two years now. But his alter ego, Marshall has reappeared and is pushing him to kill again. Mm-hmm. When he does kill a couple while they are making love, he is seen and photographed by someone who has his own death and murder fetish. In a parallel story, a police detective investigating the murder is having problems of her own. She's going through a messy divorce and a criminal who has vowed revenge some years before and has escaped from prison and is after her. Written by Gary Kay. Stop giving MCD. credits out. Mr. Brooks is a runtime of 120 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of $20 million. Was released on June 1st, 2007. That's a Friday. Opening weekend, it did $10 million. Domestic, 28 Worldwide, 48 So it doubled the production budget worldwide. I don't really know if this would be considered a moneymaker, though. Seeing that it was meant to be the first movie in a trilogy, probably not. They probably made done $10 million after marketing yeah. was all done. Got a couple of production companies here. Element Films, Relativity Media, Eden Rock Media, Tig Productions, with this, which is Costner. And MGM, MGM also distributed it. So on the what did I say, the first, the first of June, you had this movie going up against Knocked Up, the Oops, I Got You Pregnant, <laughs> Seth Rogen movie, Catherine Heigl, <laughs> <laughs> and you also had Waitress in a wide release, which is a very, very good movie mm. with that stars blanking Carrie Russell. Yeah, blanking on her name. The week after the eighth of June, you had Ocean's Thirteen, the wrap up of the Ocean's trilogy, which I like. It's Surfs in two. What's up? Better than two. I think we've talked about this before. Two, you need to watch again. Not you, but Ocean's 12 is such a different movie from Ocean's 13 and Ocean's 11 that it kind of is viewed that way, but it's not a bad movie. It's just different. Okay. I will, I'm just, it's just different. <laughs> Hostile Part 2 also came out, if anyone cared. Uh, on May 25th, the week before this, you had Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Which one is that, Butler? That is the final Pirates of the Caribbean. That's the third one. The third and not final. the final. The final one's the fifth one they did. This is the final. Oh, this is the final of the trilogy. Okay. The yeah, fourth okay. and fifth, I don't even count because okay. they're just garbage. Okay. All right. I, 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 I've confused them all. I don't yeah. know anymore. And you also had the movie Bug that came out, which is with Michael Shannon and I don't want I want to say Ashley Judd, but I think that's wrong. 
um, where he they they're both like meth heads or something. They they're infested with, but I don't know. It's something to do with that kind of thing. I remember Michael Shannon's in it. That's all I remember. Yeah, and I know the poster. I don't think Ashley Judson. I think I got that wrong. Directed by Bruce A. Evans. Uh, he also directed Cuffs, Butler's favorite movie. Written by Bruce A. Evans and <laughs> Reynold Gideon. Reynold Gideon. Gideon and Evans are actually writing partners. Um, they, I believe, they both wrote Cuffs. Uh, Evans has been nominated for an Oscar for Stand By Me. Well, before before we go on with this Cuffs thing, Ooh. I do like Cuffs, but I was very, very, very young when I saw it on TV. So everyone tells me it's awful. It could you, be. you can defend Cuffs all you want, brother, <laughs> until you watch it again and agree I'm not defending that it's not it. that good. I'm defending my liking of Cuffs you, is that I well, was probably. I don't care what you're it. defending. It's obviously putting Cuffs in a positive light. Watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> so Man, Evans also wrote Slater. Starman. What's up? Poor I like Christian Slater. I'm just saying Cuffs is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Evans also wrote Starman, as I've been trying to say. Cutthroat Island, the story of Cutthroat Island. Uh, Gideon's done A Man, A Woman, and a Bank, Made in Heaven, and he was nominated for an Oscar for Frog Story for live action short subject. Cinematography by John Lindley. He was a cinematographer for Field of Dreams, the movie Sneakers, which is a one we did a couple seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Pleasantville, which we both like, and Father Figures more recently. Composer by Raman Dijwadi. Uh, he's done Game of Thrones, a TV show. Iron Man, Fright Night 2011, which we did for Forgotten Horror last season. Forgotten Horror coming up soon. Right. And The Eternals coming up. The, not for us, but for everybody. Well, <laughs> at, at some point. Uh, produced by Kevin Costner, uh, Reynold Gideon, Robin Jonas, and Jim Wilson. Costner's uh, won an Oscar for his production of Dance of the Wolves. He also won director for that. He's produced 13 Days, which is an awesome film, and The Highwaymen, which is not that bad. Gideon has produced Assassins. Uh, he produces most of the movies he's written. Uh, Robin Jonas has produced Swing Vote, which actually also stars Costner, and the TV show Graves. Wilson had, was, not, was also won an Oscar for Dance of the Wolves, which he um, produced. He also has produced Rapa Nui, The Postman, and Whirly Girl. Edited by Miklos Wright, who has done 3,000 Miles to Graceland, which is okay. The movie itself is not great, but I liked Russell, Kurt Russell and um, Costner in this movie. And right. They're playing uh, Elvis's. Dirty, uh, the Outlander TV show, The Defenders, Luke Cage, Iron Fist. Those are all the uh, TV shows on Netflix that we don't, we're not supposed to count anymore into the Marvel canon. So we're <laughs> supposed to forget those. As you know, Kevin Costner is in this movie because I've said his name about seven times already. He plays Mr. Earl Brooks, as Butler said in his uh, synopsis. Costner's in Silverado, American Flyers, Night Shift, and the TV show Yellowstone. Demi Moore is played Detective Tracy Atwood. Uh, Moore has been in St. Elmo's Fire, Ghost, Disclosure, Indecent Proposal, and G.I. Jane. Dane Cook as Mr. Smith. Good Luck Chuck, Dan in Real Life, Waiting and Planes. Uh, he's the voice of Dusty in Planes for all those uh, parents out there who know that. William Hurt plays Marshall. He uh, won an Oscar for Kiss of the Spider Woman. He was also nominated for an Oscar for A History of Violence, which is an awesome film. Broadcast News, Children of a Lesser God. He's also in the TV show Condor, which is based on Three Days of the Condor, the book, which is a movie. No, Six Days of the Condor. That's the book. Right, yep. Which was also a movie called Three Days of the Condor, which we did on one of our seasons, which I want to say was season five. Four. four. Five is our. Oh, five is audience first, right? Yeah, so I think it was four. Yeah, it was four. four. You had Mark Helgenberger as Emma Brooks. She plays uh, Earl Brooks's wife. She's in the TV show CSI. That's probably where everyone knows her for. You might know her also from the TV show All Rise. She was in Species One and Two, and she's in Aaron Brockovich. Ruben Santiago Hudson as Hawkins. He is in The Devil's Advocate, American Gangster, and Obsession. He is the partner, the police partner of uh, Debbie Moore's character, Tracy Atwood. 
Danielle Panabaker. Panabaker plays Jane Brooks, the daughter of Earl Brooks and Emma Brooks. She is in the TV show The Flash, which Butler knows, mm-hmm. Sky High, and Piranha 3DD, which is terrible. <laughs> Aisha Hines plays Nancy Hart. She's in Godzilla, King of the Monsters, 911, the TV show, and Assault on Precinct 13. Believe the remake. remake, not the original. Yeah. And then Raiko Ellsworth. I probably said that name wrong. I apologize. It plays Sheila. She, I know her from the TV show 24. Uh, she's also an Aliens vs. Predator, Requiem, and Man on the Moon. So, Butler, where do you want to start? Well, at the MGM logo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you saw this movie before. I have. You're the one that put this on the list because you were like, I had never seen it before. Well, I put this on the list because you said I had two, I could have an extra choice because you wanted to pick two extra, an extra choice on Forgotten Horror. So that's why I had an extra choice. Right. They don't need to know the the, uh, the ins and outs. You of begged our, me for our, three our three of the four I choices. I did not beg you for three of the four You were choices. like, I love horror movies so much. I love Halloween. Said, Let me do it. You're crying, tears in your eyes. It was embarrassing. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had been talking about wanting to put this movie on a little for a little while now. Yes. You put it on the list. Yes. But then before we started recording, you kind of talked about how you weren't as big a fan this time. So yes. Instead of just going, Butler, what did you think of the movie? I'm going to bounce it back to you because I'm. These interested. are bits that we do, Butler. That that's exactly. <laughs> now I'm going to reflect that bit. Everyone takes a shot when what I go, did, Butler. <laughs> what did you now think right. of this movie? It's almost like there are two warring factions in my head when I watch this movie. <laughs> as much as I love the Costner William Hurt stuff, as much as I, their chemistry is fantastic. Brooks, Mr. Brooks is his his life, his alter ego life of serial killer, thumbprint killer, just everything that he does. I it's very fascinating. I enjoy it quite a bit. As much as I love that, I equally do not like any of the Demi Moore stuff, any of the Detective Tracy Atwood nonsense that's going on in this movie. It's like two different movies, and it's she's. Cause it's like you you did the synopsis, but it's did did the synopsis even talk about the other serial killer they got going on in here? Like, there's another serial killer throughout this movie that pops in and out that she's tracking, but she's also like an a, an expert on the thumbprint killer, who's Costner. It did say that she's tracking a killer that had escaped right. from prison, right? But it's it, her it's her stuff, and it, I'm not blaming Demi Moore. I I I don't want to blame anybody, but I think she does a good job in the role. Yeah, but her I, story is. I find fault with the with the script, with the writing is that it's like, this is how we think cops act. Like maybe they did research and that's fine, but it didn't come off that way. It felt very, it felt very actorly, very cop actorly. Like these are cops and these are what they do. And this is like the stuff that they were doing, that they're busting into rooms with no warrant. There's a moment when they're going to the suspected serial killer that's on the loose. They're going to a place that they think he might be. And the they bring no SWAT. Yeah. It's just them. Well, they should we wait for SWAT? Nah, let's yeah. not wait for There's SWAT. stuff like that going on. And it's just like, what's what's happening here? See, I didn't even see it as police procedural. I saw it as though it was almost a, a, a comic book. Mm-hmm. That she was, she all maybe all of Mr. Brooks does, but Mr. Brooks is maybe a much better comic book. Uh, well, the, well, these are hers. these are graphic novels? No, but that's what I thought about the way Demi Moore's, uh, Tracy okay. Atwood's okay. story was. That serial killer was so like Batman villainous, so mm-hmm. ridiculous, over the top. Putting that guy in the chair, taping him up with all the "you can't catch me" bullshit all over. The- it was just yeah. like, this is not the movie that Mister Brooks is is a real like semi realistic serial killer who's very careful, very 
very meticulous. That's why it doesn't get caught. But then you have this Batman villain being completely overblown, kidnapping a cop in the middle of the street and about to, to rape and murder her. And then she rolls out <laughs> of the car at full speed. I don't know why I'm laughing. Completely man. unhurt. Yeah. Or no, she has a little gash on her head. But it's just like, she exists in a comic book. Yeah. And maybe Mr. Brooks is supposed to kind of be like that. Like, they want, I know there were sequels planned. They wanted to maybe expand the world and that would make it more comic booky, almost Dexter-like. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, but I was just going to bring that up. not, Mr. Brooks is not Dexter, but then she's living in this almost Dexter-like, slightly overblown world. But even the cops in Dexter are not as bad as they are, as these two cops are. Although I will say this, I will, I will say this. The same thing, uh, same question I'm going to ask here is, is there's a character in Dexter that, that does this. Why do actors insist on wearing fedoras when they're cops in these movies? Like, why? Like, is that? At least is there, that took place in Miami. But I don't understand <laughs> this fascination with throwing fedoras on all the time. I want to be a cop. I didn't put this fedora on. Yeah, that's because no, I've never seen a cop do that. No, I've never seen ever a seen a detective with a fedora on at any time, <laughs> any moment. And so, but there's that. But going back to Dexter, Dexter came out in 2006. This movie is 2008. The reason why this movie's made is because somebody saw the script and put it on the top of the heap and said, oh, wow, people like Dexter. We have any Dexter-like scripts? And then they got Costner's interest. That's why this movie got made. It has everything to do with Dexter. Um, that doesn't mean that's why Costner did it. He probably saw the script and was like, oh, I'm interested. Well, if Dexter's 2006, Mr. Brooks is 2007, not eight. Well, yeah, I know. So Dexter came out in 2006, and it was a huge hit. Now, you mind you, Dexter's shooting in 2005, so they are the industry already knows that this is they they already like what they see. All they right. see like the the it, it's doing well and it's oh it's first season. They're gonna start fast tracking scripts here. Do so you think works. this was made like lickety split kind of? I think that the reason why the reason why this got into Costner's hands was because they looked for specific scripts like this that that worked for Dexter. And I'm not saying they they. They worked in the similarities. I think there's a lot of similarities between Brooks and Dexter and Marshall, which is his imaginary buddy in his head, his conscience, and Dex's father, who gives him like the you know the he sage goes, advice. Right. right. There's a lot of similarities there. That being said, I love the Dexter show, so I was in on all the Brooks stuff. Like I said, I like the Brooks. I just don't like any of the Dexter's. Also based on a series of novels as well. You're right. So this could also be those like hey. I got this. We don't have to pay for the rights. Right. <laughs> I, and and to be fair, I, I mean, I don't want to be go. I don't want to go full positive on Brooks and full negative on the, on the other way around. I'll, I'll give you something I wasn't. I don't know if I liked was the first death that the Brooks shoots the two people, which kind of sets the everything in motion because he kills these two people and the windows are open because he's sloppy, I guess. So Dan Cook, who's Mr. Smith, is taking photos. I guess apparently he takes photos quite often of people's in their room. Well, that couple, because yeah. they always left the blinds. So he, yeah. he took a photo of Mr. Brooks killing them. So that's kind of what set this off. But when he shoots the couple, he does this little, like, dance number. He, he shoots the couple, and there's this weird transition, like, kind of like it's just this weird film transition they do. And then he's doing a dance, and I'm thinking, do I like this? Is this something that I... I think works here. And I don't know what you think about that. I, I mean, it was just like this supreme elation. It was a little overblown, almost like uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker doing his little violin string dance. Yeah. Yeah. Like, But I like it better than just watching him maybe like jizz his pants. <laughs> like I'd rather Excuse have that me? than like him, like eye fluttering going. <laughs> oh, Listen, uh, like I, I think the dance works a little better as for a film. You I, get this like more overblown, more theatrical kind of thing which also helps separate his character, separates who he is as the father and husband and, you know, 
sure. help helper of of the city of Chicago. It separates him as this this person that's like this this great family man, this great philanthropist, and then you see this weird dance, and you see that psychopath kind of come out. Although it is the only time you see that. Well, you get a little sense of it when he's nude, when he's got the photos of the kill, and he's gonna right, burn them. And Marshall's too. telling him. Well, Marshall's you know, telling him you got. He's not him. nude because he's like, I want to go back to. I like Kevin Costner. I don't think I need to see him jizzing in his pants. Like you say, <laughs> but, but he's nude because he's burned all his clothes. Yeah. So and he and he's gonna he's looking at the photos and like Marshall's his, his conscience is telling him burn them, don't keep them, that kind of thing. So yeah. that, but. Again, so you do kind of see some of that, but you see he's meticulous. I will say this, though, about his meticulous nature. He zip ties his hand. He zip ties the gun inside his hand and he holds it, which is smart because it catches all the slugs. Mm -hmm. Those got to burn his hand, though. Like the slugs have got to singe him. They're not cool coming out of that gun. I can't believe the bag. Yeah, it doesn't melt. The bullets don't. The slugs don't melt through the bag. It's got to be some tough plastic. Yeah, maybe that could be heat treated plastic, though. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, it's 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 a it's a quick moment. It's not like he sits there and talks about it for five minutes. So, but you definitely get that whole. I do like that Mm -hmm. from beginning to end. You see his process and why he hasn't been caught. I like him getting out of the car into the slippers, the covered slippers. Right, they're ready to go. So let me go. So let me go on the other side, and I'll give you some other stuff that I don't like. From Mr. Brooks or Atwood, because they're two different schools. Atwood, okay. but I'm talking. I'm I'm at I'm at the same scene. I'm at the same moment. So they're coming in after the fact after okay. the murder. You know, she's in the room. She's like looking around, and she takes this because he closes the curtains, and she takes this huge leap that the curtains were open. Like, like there's no reason for you to know that the curtains were open. Why would you know that? The how she knew that he walked. Why didn't he trip over the phone? He knew the phone would be there. You don't know that. Check the. Check the vacuum. I guarantee the bag's gone. Yeah. Oh, he vacuumed. <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous. And it, it it was like, this is the beginning of the movie. And probably there's like 20 to 30, 40 minutes of this nonsense from Atwood going through the movie to the point where it's an increasing burning hatred that happens as I'm watching everything she does. And on all her scenes, I'm just like, I don't like this character. Wait, do you not care about her divorce? I don't care about that. I love the fact that she is with a dude who, who fucked her friends and her cousins and all these people. It's like, you, what? What is happening? Who did you marry? What I don't like is that at the end, Mr. Brooks and Mr. Smith go to murder somebody. And Mr. Brooks goes, no, we're killing these couple, which is the divorce guy and the lo- his divorce lawyer right. who are her hooking up. But it never means anything to the story. You get one moment where Tracy Atwood kind of goes off the rails and mm-hmm. becomes a bad cop and is almost going to be accused of the crime, mm-hmm. but it's quickly forgotten about. It is nothing. It is in the last 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. And in the end, she's still a cop. No, she doesn't get in trouble. She's still tracking Mr. Brooks. Mm-hmm. Her entire arc goes absolutely nowhere. It just drops. Well, the hangman, uh, it's, here's the other thing that we didn't, we haven't even talked about. There's another subplot in this movie and we haven't even talked about it, which is the daughter. See, so the daughter plot, I don't but, mind as it doesn't bother me. But I'm saying that there's too many plots in this movie. There's oh, the, this, da- the daughter stuff. This whole movie is setting up like it's the pilot of a TV show. True. Yeah. It's just yeah. It's setting up. That's almost why I think it's comic booky. It's setting up its own Mr. Brooks verse, you know, if you will. A whole menagerie of characters. You, you, if this was a TV series, you would imagine that her chasing the thumbprint killer is lasting all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, coinciding with uh, in this movie the daughter is just experiencing her ser- her first serial killing their, her killing need uh and brooks is worried that you know she's 
you know, following his path and that concerns him. Which she doesn't is also want that. why I think that they might have taken some from the Dexter novels, because in the Dexter novels, he's with. Oh, what's her name in the in the Annie? Who's his wife? He's not with. He's with. Um, it's Julie Benz. It's yeah, I um, remember the name of her character. Yeah, I mean, they're blanking, but yeah. But he's with her because she. He they're sees, not married yet. Yet. Not yet. At the yeah, beginning, they're dating. But he sees in her children the same serial killerness that he has. He sees their dark passenger, so he wants Who? to help drive them in the right way. Dexter in the novels. Oh, in the novels. I okay. I didn't read the books. Yes, yeah, so in the novels, they have the serial killerness in them. He senses that. Right. So he wants to guide them down. Both a path kids. Of, he wants to guide them down a path of righteousness, or just the son. It's been a while since I read him. Right. Um. So he wants to guide them down that path, and in this, the daughter has that same kind of thing, which makes me think. Did they uh, the I wouldn't. I mean, they probably maybe they, maybe this is like a failed ad- adaptation that just went off and did it on their own. But but again, so the daughter stuff. I'm talking about the subplots. The daughter mm-hmm. might be a killer. The Mr. Smith stuff. Uh, Atwood chasing Brooks. Atwood's divorce, which I could care less about. And then Atwood versus the Hangman. Like uh, right off the bat, there's three Atwoods here that I don't need. Uh, I just. It's Brooks's story. Why the is it called Mr. Brooks? It's not called Mr. Brooks and Detective Atwood. <laughs> Brooks Atwood. <laughs> So I don't need any of that. It, it really bugs me now. Now it's really starting to bug me. Like all like, so like, again, I'm going to go back to Atwood. <laughs> so Mr. Smith, you find out his real name is Bafford and which is Dan Cook's character. And all of a sudden Atwood decides she's going to follow him. No, just cause no reason. She's just following him. She's got a hunch. She feels it in her, in her gut. Where'd it come from? Her gut. <laughs> <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense that she would suspect him of being a part of it. That's she just may- how good of a cop she no, is. No, she's not that good. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. They, they, they breach, like I said, they breach an apartment and they have no SWAT with them. They, they, they think he's in there. They, they, she wouldn't be able to get a search warrant because like, there's a point when during a witness interview, they tell her something and mm-hmm. then she's like, she immediately thinks she's going to go get a search warrant for that. There's no way. There's no way. I need a warrant. No, just make it happen. Yeah. Get the SWAT team. I want a helicopter right now. Like, she doesn't have the search warrant, so she just goes into the apartment uh, when she's looking for Mr. Smith. This is at the point when Brooks is playing Smith, so he has all his stuff moved out. Right. She just goes in, and then she has that shootout, because then she goes in and she finds the address of the apartment that Brooks moves all his stuff to. Brooks is both setting her up and almost helping her find right. the man. Right. And so then she goes there and... and they have the shootout um, in this in the hallway with with the hangman and his, and his girlfriend. The girlfriend doesn't have any guns, but she's yelling a lot. <laughs> and they do this thing where the lights are flickering back and forth. And I, I think I don't know if we talked about it off camera or off mic, off camera or off mic was that uh, the the way they did the scene was the lights are are set up to flicker every time the gun goes off like they had like a not motion sensor but the sound the like, sound, like yeah. almost like a clapper so they're like. controlling the the lights in that scene but the scene is so uninteresting and dumb that i could care less like it's nice it looks right. great i think but, that's cool that they have it set up that way right but it's just it's a, the shootout is boring it's just not good like just i just don't like any of the cops shootout's stuff. ridiculous yeah in a straight hallway with no like o- one open door to stop them from hitting each other and yet they can't hit each other. Yeah. They're such bad shots. And then yeah. she finally hits somebody like it takes forever. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, like, I, I, I got to show you. Hey, detective. Evan, <laughs> I got something to show you. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, I just went through one of my notes and it was originally meant to be a TV series. So we had talked about, that's probably 
maybe that's what it maybe you know maybe this would be better this would be a good remake this would be a good movie to remake as a tv show like we talked about it all the time Absolutely. 10 episode series series but let's just let's just bring back the ridiculousness of detective atwood and let's put somebody in there that's a little bit uh, I, I i know it feels like i'm knocking demi more and i'm not i just don't she doesn't the, she doesn't have anything to work with i guess maybe that's the best thing to say it, you know what i mean she's She's not given a whole heck of a caricature of a caricature. Yeah, and it's that's that's she plays it well. If that was what she was, if that's what they were going for, if she was in on the joke, yeah, if that was the world they were going for, she's this hardened John McClane kind of. (laughs) She's really more like Will Smith's character from Bad Boys because she's super rich and just is a cop for the action kind of a thing. Sure, sure. She's Mike Lowry, (laughs) but it's just it's not what the rest of the world is. She's this spoof of a character in this more serious world. So. I I know I'm coming off as like I really like Kevin Costner and I do, but here's two notes I'm gonna have for you that make me question my own sanity here. Um, <laughs> one is that he believes this is the best script he's ever read. But I mean, right off the bat, what his parts are good. But what this is got a guy did not did, read the. This other, is the guy that did the Postman and Waterworld. Listen, Waterworld's not that bad, <laughs> and the Postman's not that bad either. <laughs> I always th- I always think of the uh, the Simpsons joke. When it was like, see the postman, I see live commentary from Kevin Costner, and he oh, just yeah. comes out, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> but so he thinks this is the best script ever. Did he just read his parts? Did they just, did he just say, like, just highlight my sections and send them over? I could care less what's happening in the movie. Okay, number one. Number two, he offered Uwe Boll to direct this movie. Yeah, I know. And, and have you, because he felt back as Boll wanted him in another movie. And Dungeons and Dragons. I'm sure Boll is a wonderful dude. I'm sure he's a lovely man. Uh, it doesn't seem like. Okay. But have you seen his movies? They're not good. They're, I mean, I, I get if you're doing them for the money, Godspeed, good, good job. But, oof, that's making me question whether why why I love love him so much in these movies. Oof. <laughs> 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 so we've been pooping on Atwood a lot. I'll keep, but, I'll keep going. <laughs> I really like the Marshall Mr. Brooks relationship, though. I really well, that, like that's not William Hurt. You're right. That has nothing to do with Atwood. Oh, I know. <laughs> I just I'm done yeah. pooping on Atwood. I think we've I don't beaten know. that. I can go a little bit more. Kid. I can go a little bit more. I think William Hurt does an amazing job as Marshall, and I think their scenes together. So I'm like, they're funny. Are are the reasons that you know I came out kind of like in this movie. I mean, it's not great, but I was like, you know what? That really saves this film. Yes. And they are really funny. Like when Dane Cook's looking for their car yeah. and it's raining and all dark outside and like, should we flash the lights or haunt the horn? No, nah, maybe we'll cross the street, get hit by the car and do a job for us. Yeah. And they both start cracking up in yeah. the car at the same time. <laughs> like they have such an interesting relationship because at the one hand, Mr. Brooks hates Marshall for keeps pushing him to try to murder when Mr. Brooks goes to these AA meetings right. and he's been doing so well and not killing people. So you get this kind of dichotomy where, but whenever Mr. Brooks is in trouble, William Hurt's there to console him, yeah, to help him figure things out, right? To, to joke around with him and give him some levity. It's like he's this, he's his id for sure, but he's also a very helpful character. Well, he's just conscious. He's, he's conscious, himself, but like yeah. almost like as like a brother like character, right? Right. He he's but he's honest with him. He knows that killing makes him feel good, and that's the best thing. That's what he wants to do, right? He, and. Like you said, he's the it or hurts. Marshall doesn't want him to to stop. And he knows he won't stop. And he knows that it's futile to pretend he's going to not do it anymore because it's just going to make him go crazy and make him, you know, it's going to be stressful. It's, you know, it's, you know, he doesn't want to be yeah. stressful. He wants to But also then Marshall's going to his... be useless. True. So he doesn't True. want that. True. But then Marshall also helps him with his daughter stuff. And like, I, I, I like that part that he's not just there for the killing. When it comes to his daughter, right. he's like, 
she's lying to you. She's hiding something. Yes. Yeah. I like. Uh, I think isn't there a part when Marshall wonders if she has her own his her own passenger? They don't call it a passenger. They call it something else. Her own Marshall kind her of thing. Marshall, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they say that. Isn't it in the kitchen they do that? It, I it think? is. I like that kitchen scene quite a bit. Kitchen scene's good when he realizes what she is, and when you and know he, he regrets that maybe he right. gave it to her. And like, and his plan is to go down. So she basically, she murders her roommate, right? Her roommate. She murders a boy. She murders a boy, and then she leaves campus, and she's sloppy, and you know, they're, they're they find the car in like they, a river, right? She lies to her parents. He knows off right off the bat that you know she's done this, and that she's gonna get caught, and he doesn't want her to get caught. So he devises a plan where he goes down to the college. And he's going to go ask somebody because she murders somebody with a hatchet. Right. A hatchet. I don't know why I said hammer. Yeah. Hatchet. Yeah, hatchet. So he goes down and continues to murder while. But he only murders one. There's a problem. He only murders one. And it's like, they're like, oh, somebody else got murdered. So we got somebody down. It's like, yeah, but after a while, they're going to be like, well, there's no more murders. And they're going to go circle back to her. I mean, yeah, I guess there's enough circumstantial evidence to be like, well, she was never there. So how do you exactly. know? Right. And you've been keeping a tail on her. So. Right. So, yeah. And she skates by kind of. Right. Right. And just just to kind of finish up her subplot, let's talk about the ending of the movie. The dream. The dream sequence, (laughs) which was not meant to be a dream sequence, but audiences hated it. So they turned it into a dream sequence. And that was what, Butler? What happens? Well, he goes to visit his daughter after drinking an entire giant pint glass of milk before bed, <laughs> which is absolutely ridiculous how much milk he drinks. Man, right I could bed. not do that. Which <laughs> <laughs> It's probably my least favorite part in this movie because it's like one of my main notes was just like all caps. That's a giant. That's like a half pint of milk. Right. He goes up to uh, his daughter's bedroom to say goodnight to her. And uh, goes up, caresses her hair, goes, good night, sweetie. And she stabs him in she the pulls neck. A, she pulls a giant pair of scissors, scissors. Yeah, from under her pillow. Under her pillow that she had. And he starts bleeding out everywhere. Which and is pretty like, violent. Yeah. She's like watching like, oh, yeah. yeah no. and, and then she puts on his glasses. She takes his glasses off and becomes uh, him. So yeah. she's got his horn rim glasses. I'll tell you right now, I hated that. I'm glad it was a dream oh, sequence. Okay, yeah. It's overblown. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, that's Atwood level stuff going that was into seeping into our, into our favorite it, yeah. yeah exactly and i don't even like that if you did that for the tv series like even if you did the tv show and you and you know, mr brooks is gone after the first season and you go no i don't want that i'd rather have mr brooks is the main character you want to watch yes the show should be called mr brooks and he it should be about like even like the daughter stuff like shouldn't come in until like maybe mid-second season you know what i mean it, oh it, you need yeah. to focus on you need to develop him more that's the problem with having Four subplots. We right. got four or five. Yeah, it's just too many. Oh, that, you know what would be good? That would be good if like there you kind of see in the background of there's like uh, missing children or something like that. You just see it once or twice or whatever, and then the season finale is here. The first season is you find out that she is killing kids or something like that, or she's doing something. Then you know what I mean. Like his his subplot with that, whatever is resolved, and he's like, ah, we're good, and everything. He's like, everything's finally returning to normal, and then like the last like. 10 minutes of the sh- of the season finale is like her like coming back to the house and like burning all her bloody clothes because she's just yeah. murdered a bunch of guys. Writes itself, Butler. Writes itself. It really would be a very interesting show, but as a movie, it's just so much packed well, into it. Yeah, well, the other thing is like, I, I think you could do the show now, but you probably couldn't have done the show 10 years because from now, previous, because... Dexter was out. You're just comparing it against Dexter. Everyone would be like, oh, so it's Dexter. But might maybe you have to give it a couple more years. But 
I think even, yeah, even today, you'd be like, so it's Dexter too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This That would be a show that you would pitch to like uh, whatever network and, and listen, like, listen, I don't need a big budget. Give me small budget. I will find actors that were good actors. I don't need big names. And I'll let me let me build this and let's see what happens. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. it's too bad. Like, I think Kevin Costner probably at this point and William oh, Hurt are they're too it. old. No, no, you get new people. Um, but yeah, you, you get some new people. You could make this interesting. You could even make make Atwood a little bit more serious. You can make that interesting. It's just shoehorned into another movie. Yeah. But if you did it piece by piece, little by little, and it wasn't half the movie, yeah, you'd have a decent movie here. Yeah. This is this a is a TV show. Well, no, I think this is that's I think that's the major thing to take away from here is. That they didn't remove enough of the subplots that were meant for the TV series uh, to make a, a strong movie. Mm-hmm. And I think you needed to find something in this, in the story that they had to just make a solid film and leave the other stuff for, if you wanted a supposed trilogy, well, then leave the other stuff for the trilogy. Don't even have the daughter come home. Never have her be away at college. And you know what I mean? Don't even, don't even bring it up. Don't even talk about it. We don't need the daughter. Just focus on him and Mr. Smith. And then Atwood chasing them. I don't even need the hangman nonsense. Uh, I think you could put the hangman in there, but spread the hangman over multiple seasons. No, no, no. I'm talking about the movie itself now. I'm not talking about the TV show. I'm talking about this movie. Oh, just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. That's all. But I understand what you're saying. Right. The, all that stuff can be filtered into the TV show. That's fine. But for the movie itself, I think you need to focus on one or two and that's it. Yeah. I don't even know if you need Atwood. Well, you need somebody following them, chasing them. Maybe. You, need, you may maybe have somebody, you can have a cop, an Atwood type character, but we don't, it's not about her story. Yeah, we don't care about her divorce. The whole setup. Right. Yeah. Cause that, they make, they tie the Mr. Smith thing into her divorce, yeah. which goes no, nowhere. No, no, so no, that, that, that stuff, that stuff goes, that stuff goes. I no. do like the end with Mr. Smith when he gets set up, goes into Mr. Brooks own cemetery, and locks <laughs> the gate and he, you know, he kills him with the shovel or no, he whacks him in the head with the shovel. So he yeah. can't do anything. And he's like, I don't know. You want to know what I did when I was, before I was the thumbprint killer. Yeah. I did a, I killed a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And it's just like, <laughs> Before I was a thumbprint killer, Mr. Smith, I killed a lot of people in a lot of different ways. I really wanted, as soon as he's saying that, his monologue is so good. And I'm just like, he's like pure evil at that point. Like, yeah. just not what you've seen before. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I want to see that. That's, I want to see more of that. <laughs> yeah. What were you like before you were there? And you get these senses, like, that's another thing. You get these scenes of these, this person swimming in a pool. Mm-hmm. And I, you, you get the sense that that's his first victim. And you really never get to see more of that. True. You don't ever go back to that. You're it right. It just flashes twice. And you're just like, okay, that's clearly probably his first victim because he keeps thinking about that person. But you never get more of that. And like, maybe they would say that for the sequel. And these are like two hints. Maybe. He's like, that's completely useless too. But I only care about that now after he's giving that monologue about what he was like when he started. Yeah. And it's like, I want to know. Was he even Earl Brooks? Is Earl Brooks even his real name? Yeah. What was he before that? Who was he? Well, he has that scene when he goes and he gets all this fake, uh, his fake uh, IDs and stuff when he's going to drive down to California. Yeah. 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 But it's like also if it's hereditary, like if he gave the serial killer gene to his daughter, Mm -hmm. then what was his home life like? Because that's like in Dexter, you get that it wasn't. Dexter's not born a serial killer. He was made a serial killer. Right. Because an event messed him up when he was young. But Mr. Brooks, you get the sense that that might not be the case. Like, mm-hmm. what was his life? Well, you don't know. Did he kill his parents? You know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, you but don't yet, know. He's, yeah, he's a good father. He's a good family man. He knows how to be. Well, he has a handle on it now. He's, he's a mature killer. Right. Yeah. But in Dexter, you also, that's another thing that separates the two. In Dexter, 
he's always trying to figure out how to be human. Almost. Well, I think Dexter in Dexter, he's somebody who is struggling with trying to control himself. And he's always, he, he, he has an incessant need to kill, but his father has taught him, trained him to just, okay, fine. We'll satisfy that, but you have to be smart. But he's, so he's always looking for something to kill. Exactly. Well, Brooks Mr. is trying to stop. But even then, yeah, Brooks still enjoys the simple things in life. He sure. enjoys working his job and stuff like that. Whereas Dexter is just all, all death all the time. But Brooks is also somebody who is charismatic. He can have a conversation. He can, he can relate right, to whereas people. Whereas Dexter, Dexter can't. Dexter can't. Dexter is stunted in that way. But maybe I think. See, I, now I really want this show because <laughs> Mr. Brooks is such an interesting character. Well, that's fine. Write it. All right. Write it. I'm yeah. too young to play Mr. Brooks, but I'll write it. <laughs> well, maybe you're too young to write it. Uh, well, I can play Mr. Brooks. I'm in. Here? I'm ready to go. Listen, <laughs> a year and a half of commercials has trained me as a classical actor. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that also, like, while I like Marshall and I like that he looks different, I think it would be cool if, what if, so let's, let's flash out this. All right. You have Mr. Brooks, right? And he's, if you had uh, an entire series theory, you have flashbacks from Mr. Brooks as a younger man. You sure. can have this younger version of Brooks be Marshall. Like he's this version oh, of himself right. that's never aged, because he, you're it is. As you. long as it's not a kid, as long as I'm not, I'm not, I'm not watching a, a 45 year old man talking to a 10 year old. No, he's talking to him in his prime, his 25 sure. year old self, and that just has never changed. Gotcha. Because you always see yourself as your whatever you're. Yeah, you're right. Kind of you're thing. right. So you don't like see that. it. Yep. Yep. That's so accurate. That's all that he ever sees is this version of him. I think Still, that'd be cool. Him, but that's a strong actor. See, that is first of all, well. I love the fact that you have. Now shoehorned yourself apart into the movie, into the show. <laughs> it's not a, yeah, it's not a, you're like, oh, no. you know what would be great? I'm like, wait a minute. He's just trying no, to get I'm, himself apart. No, I'm just saying, if I'm, <laughs> like, I'm too young to play Mr. Brooks, but I'm like, oh, well, actually, what if, <laughs> like, Marshall being this other person would have to have come from somewhere. Like, yeah. how did he build Marshall in his mind to look like that? Well, maybe Marshall's his father. Maybe we just don't yeah, know. Maybe it's too. his friend. Yeah. Maybe it's a friend that taught him how to kill, but he, then he murdered him. I don't know. Who because knows? he was all sloppy at first. Who he knows? Here's the thing. We're more interested in that side of the story, which should tell you again, the Atwood, Atwood side stinks. <laughs> Batman-esque Atwood. It's just... And the killer is so absolutely ridiculous. He's just completely... Escapes from prison, makes no attempt to kind of hide, murders... Horribly. He goes into this doctor's house, destroys an entire lab, ties him up, makes these things, make these jokes. Right, it's like Joker going, come get me, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Kills, like Again, kidnaps the cop off the street, has a shootout in a hotel room, probably would have gotten away if he didn't decide to shoot himself <laughs> and like stop on the stairs. Although she did gut shot him. But it's just like absolutely, unbelievably ridiculous when you have this other killer who's so meticulous and she's already onto him, but she yeah. can't catch this one guy who's basically telegraphing himself and the fact that he got off on his crime on a technicality. Well, maybe if she wore a fedora in this movie, she would catch him. She needs that fedora cap. <laughs> Although I did like when she gets the stitches in her head and they show it. I'm why? Like, well, why show it? I don't There's know. no reason to show it. Why spend, why spend the money to, to create the wound and show it when you don't need to? There's no reason for it. The special effects. I was like, listen, can we, we got to justify. I made this. Bill's like, here today. We have to justify his uh, his paying. So let's get a, put this put the scar on Demi. Bill made a stitchable scar. Oh man, that's well, I pretty cool. I didn't ask for that. <laughs> Are we just gonna do a wide shot? Yeah, but watch you. All right, we'll get the close up. We'll put it in. It's kind of cool. Let's waste my morning. <laughs> Take fifty five of the stitch. She's falling off her head. Damn it. So, would you recommend this movie to people? I mean, I think it's forgotten for the reasons why we're talking about. It's forgotten that this, it's so confusing. Garbage. Yeah, I think it's very confusing. But would you tell? Would you? So I don't think we need to answer that question. We've kind of, kind of beaten that over, over the head. 
I would say yeah because you recommended it and I had never seen it before and I liked it. Yeah, the I think it's are, it's a good watch. It's a fun. It's a popcorny kind of movie. Yeah, it's a Saturday night. Hey, let's watch this movie. You're not you you might like some stuff. You're not gonna like all of it, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, with stuff is just stupid. But yeah, it's like it still moves quick. Yep, it's two hours. It's not two and a half hours. Yep. The Mr. Brooks stuff's really good. It makes you excited for what could have been. And Kevin, of course, Kevin Costner is always good, and so yep. is William Hurt. They're both fantastic. They're this. good together. Yeah, and. Dane Cook does an affable he's job. He's okay. He's fine. The he's, yeah. he's good in Dan in real life. If you've ever seen that, uh, I good luck. Chuck, it stinks. That movie's not that good. I think that's the thing is like, he's everyone thinks a good luck Chuck. And it's like, mm. but he, he could have done more. He didn't have to have kind of been thrown to the curb. after. I mean, he's, Chuck. He's, I, yeah. But I mean, who knows? But Dan in real life, he's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and you Demi Moore's check that in out. It. And mm. although I mean, she does a good job with what she's got, but the character just isn't good. Yeah. But yeah, I would recommend it because I enjoyed, I'm, Glad that you had me watch it. Nice. Because I had been interested. That's in what I'm here to do. I'm here to show you new things. Yeah. There's there's bad things in this movie, but there's also a lot of interesting stuff. And it's a fun, enjoyable watch. All right. Sweet. So I'm going to tell everyone where they can find us so you can Ooh. introduce next week's movie since it's your favorite time of year. <laughs> so you can find us at ForgottenEntertainment.com. Uh, we are also on all these socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, we post every day. We have a new episode every Wednesday, new video every Thursday, and we post Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We don't post on the weekends, so sometimes. We started to do some forgotten flashback stuff on Sundays, but uh, that's where you can find us. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe if you could. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, let us know if you want to do a movie that you want. We take suggestions. Uh, we, we've got a huge, huge list uh, of the movies that we like. That we want to do but we also in that list are other people's suggestions so even though we did a season five where it was audience choice and we did all audience choice that season we do do audience choice uh selections uh throughout our other seasons so let us know what you want and hit us up we do respond back we are active we like talking movies uh that's what it's all about um so yeah so uh that's it mike what are we doing next week all right it's uh it's the best time of the year folks starting next week we are beginning our forgotten horror season <laughs> it's four weeks of awesome horror movies that we've picked that we think are forgotten awesome or awesome we remember them being awesome we don't pick them because we think they're bad starting with 1998's john carpenter's vampires which is probably the one on the list that i remember the least but i remember enjoying it when i watched it when i was 12 so right we'll see how it is but i i remember enjoying it it's got some cool vampire stuff and you know i i <laughs> I'm very interested to see what you think of the movie. I'm even interested to see what I think of it. I really like putting movies like you do with Mr. Brooks, where I don't remember a lot of it, yeah. but I remember enjoying it. Yeah. We'll see what happens in the sure. visit. Absolutely. All right. So that's it. John Carpenter's Vampires next week. Forgotten Horror returns for its second second annual Forgotten I Horror. Like nice. It. All right. Um, I got nothing else. So I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. <laughs>